Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nut jobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Disregard females and acquire currency. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. Welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do this show live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. I'm flying solo tonight. Homo alono, as we say. HK is out on adventures. <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter. Uh, go find me on Twitter. I don't know. I don't even remember my at name on there. Um, you can support this project at eplex.store uh, via the merch or memberships or at patreon.com slash Echoplex. And of course, you don't have any money to spend or don't want to give me any money but still want to support this project you can always tell a friend about this show but they might hate you for that so <clears throat> i had a couple things i wanted to go over tonight but i thought this one was going to be the most fun <clears throat> this is this tom billy you guy uh, i haven't done too much uh, on him in the past but this one is about population collapse how uh, modern life is making men and women infertile, and the uh, guest is a lady named Shauna Swan. I've never heard of her, so I think we'll be uh, kind of flying blind here, but this content is kind of right up our alley. So, without any further ado, here is uh, Population Collapse. What you talk about in the book is that we actually meet the, the 
criteria for being an endangered species, right. which is freaky. And I think anybody listening to this is going to call BS right now because they're like, there's 8 billion of us. There's no way right, that right. we meet that. <laughs> but so yeah. one, is that a fair assessment? Are the stakes really that high? And how on earth do we meet the qualifications for an endangered species? There's definitely a problem with reproductive health. And by the way, it's not just fertility. Fertility is one manifestation of it. There's many others. We'll talk about those. But fertility is a good one to start because that's something that involves the man and the woman. Mm. So on the man's side, we have declining sperm count, which we've documented most recently in November, showing it's worse than we thought. And yeah, before it was 1.16%. It's now over 2.5%. Two over two point something, yeah. That's That still means that there's still like 97 and a half percent as much sperm as there was at another time when they did a similar study. I'm not even sure that's st statistically significant. I think it was like 2.64 yeah. or yeah. something. I mean, it was right. crazy. It's crazy. And, and that's in a relatively short time. So what we- But is that st statistically significant? I, I have a hard time believing that's statistically significant back there in 2017 with this decline of 1% per year was an underestimate of the mm. rate of decline. And Is now that per year? No, come on. Quote Western countries. We know that it's all over the world. So it's actually bleaker than when we wrote Countdown or bleaker <laughs> than when we published that paper. And it's... Yeah, somebody in chat, like we don't usually, you know, this is a live show, but there's a podcast. But somebody in chat actually asked, is it could this be because population, we have an aging population, people are living longer? It's like how cancer rates are going up. Uh, some of it might be environmental, but some of it is just because people are less likely to die of other causes. So yeah, if the population's aging, yeah, the average sperm count is going to go down. That's why I have a, that's why there's a chat here. That oftentimes they're smarter than I am. But that's what I'm saying is that number, is this one or one to two and a half percent number, is it, I have a hard time believing it's statistically significant. I don't want to leave out the female side of this, right? So we have more, you know, the rate of miscarriages going up and the rate of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome is going up. Of course, women's infertility is part of couple infertility. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of a bleak picture. But the interesting thing to me is that the rate of change, the rate of decline, the rate of problems is all about the same. It's something over 1% per year. So, you know, men, many people think, well, 1%, that's not so bad. 1%. I thought the rate of uh, decline doubled. One of the questions I was yeah, going to yeah, ask that, you. Yeah, that was sperm count. But I'm, say, I'm putting this in a bigger I context. See. Reproductive function, including all of those reproductive outcomes. And you don't think we're going to start to see that number? I don't see how men's fertility could be going or sperm count could be diving at 2.5% more than 2.5%. Yeah. Calling 2.5% a dive is, it's that's that's a choice. This is... This is crazy. I can already tell this is going to be fucking crazy. Right. Year over year. Yeah. And this not become a larger fertility problem where we break that 1%. Do you think I'm crazy on that? That's likely, but I'm cautious. I'm actually Lee optimistic. Is that what you mean? No, it doesn't mean I'm optimistic. It means that before I say that everything is worse, mm. I have to go into each of those trends and look at them individually. But I did that for fertility, for PCOS, for miscarriage, for testosterone. By the way, that's a really big one we should talk about. Mm. There 
But testosterone doesn't like low, testosterone is not correlated with fertility. All declining at at least one percent per year, and that I can safely year over year. I mean, that compounds. So no, 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 no. It does it when it when it's one percent. It does the opposite of compounding. To people one percent per year, they go, yeah, that's a lot. Then I say fifty years. That's how far back we've looked. That's fifty percent. Yeah, that's least. not how that works. And they still don't get it. And I say, well, suppose it was IQ. Suppose I told you that IQ had dropped 50%. Mm. But I don't care about the results of IQ tests. Yeah, this is going to be, this one's going to be wild, everybody. I'm probably going to fucking throw shit during this. This, If like the camera, you see the camera like, and the stream ends, it's because I threw something at the fucking camera. I mean, that would be... I'm I'm already scandalized though that people aren't their eyebrows reaching the back of their head when they hear the stat that we've dropped fifty percent since we started recording this. That's pretty startling. And so to orient people a little bit, so I'm a bit of a Japanophile. I'm absolutely obsessed with Tokyo. It's my favorite place on earth. Oh, this guy. Oh, you don't say. You don't. I'm surprised. And it's it's fine to be interested in like Japanese culture and other cultures and stuff, but I don't think that's what this is about. And when I think about what's happening there, where you have a sexless, it's not completely sexless, but it's like where they're trying to incentivize young people to actually have sex. Like that, that's so absurd to right. me growing up in the 80s, where it was like everyone's telling you not to have sex. Oh my God. Like, I was right. telling you before we started rolling, my whole life has been about a level of paranoia. I, I have been terrified my entire life that I would get somebody pregnant that I didn't want to get pregnant. Yeah. And so now to think that governments are having to get involved to get people to have sex seems crazy, but is true. The data reflects it. And so as we establish the severity of the problem, what Give me, give me an anchor around the, I've always said the human body is a chemical processing plant. And I get some side eye from people when they think, when they hear me say that, because I'm often saying it in a religious context of why I believe the way that I believe. Uh, help me understand though, because this does, the, the warning that comes out loud and clear in your book is tied to the fact that we are now processing through our bodies chemicals that we shouldn't be processing. I love that. I think that's a really great way to put it. Um, I think the body is much more than a chemical processing plant, and I'm sure you do too. I but, don't know that I do. I won't. Yeah, I might that. actually agree with him that your body is basically a bunch of chemical processes, but that's like a dumb, that's like an obvious thing. Everything, since everything's made of chemicals and everything fucking, everything that is like has some kind of change going on or has some kind of system going on that, that's, that's going to involve chemical reactions. On that, we can get into that later. Okay. So but, but let's go back to Japan. And by the way, uh, the Japan's big problem is that they are fucking, they are anti-immigrant there. That's their big problem. They need to start letting fucking people into Japan is what they need to do. East Asia. South Korea is actually, I think, the lowest. And, and what, we, what I look at is the total fertility rate. So the total fertility rate is the number of children that a woman or couple will have in their lifetime. Okay. And in 1960, it was 5.4 worldwide. But was that per couple or she's like a woman or couple? And it's, uh, 
God, and is that like people who are coupled and have children, or does that is that is that adjusted for single people that don't don't have any children? Like, what does that number mean? Like, and that dropped to two point six in. And this is number of kids that people will number have. of kids, and that includes everywhere. Mm. You know, from Japan to South Sub-Saharan Africa, which has very high fertility, um, and but it's not. They're they're like conflating. They're con- this is this this is stupid. The conflation of the rate of um, reproduction, like of, of actual reproduction, with uh, like pers- a person's like physical fertility, those aren't the same thing. Like gay people aren't just. We're not infertile because we're gay. We're just gay. Um, dropped in 50% in 50 years, basically. Same as sperm count. Is that an accident? I don't think so. But Um, when you say it's dropping 1%, okay, so I hate to do all kinds of math with you, right? So let's start with, let's drop 10% every time. So you uh, do start with 100. You drop 10% off of that. Now you're at 90%. You drop 10% of that. You're Now you're at 81%. You drop 10% off of that. Now I'm going to have to start doing math. You're pulling 8.1% uh, off of 81. So you're at like 70, 73, 72.9, something like that. And then you pull in, then you pull 10% off of that. So 50, dropping 1% 50 years in a row, you don't actually lose 50% because you're taking 1% of a lower number every year. So... Where are we? 2.1, two children per couple, and a little more because there are some losses, right? So mm. 2.1, the species replaces itself. Globally, that's the average we have to maintain. Right. And in countries that are below that, and I think South Korea is now at 0.89. Whoa! Um, and Japan is, I think, just about one. I don't haven't looked. Re- you, these change quite rapidly. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's per couple. Yeah. So you have again. I'm asked. I have to. What did like? Is this like the population divided by two? And and then divided by the number of babies, or are they like getting actual numbers of active couples who are fucking? Like, I don't know, like, they're not explaining this, that the point of this isn't to inform, right? The point of this, this is some, this is some fucking, this is going to end up with some weird eugenics shit, right? This, this, this has to go into some fucking weird eugenics place. Couples in Japan that every time they get together, basically you now have the population because they're only going to replace, there's two of them replacing with one. Right. And in South Korea, it's less than one. Yes. Th- those are terrifying numbers. Like to give people an understanding, that is guaranteed economic collapse. Yes. Unless you uh, have migrants come in. But yes. the problem is if this is a global trend, there's right. nowhere to grab migrants from. Some wherever you- Yeah, nobody wants to. Yeah, there's no migrants anywhere, you dumb fuck. She just said- that there was a place she just mentioned sub-saharan africa which also dog whistle um like they, anytime anybody brings up sub-saharan africa and birth rate you're like uh-oh uh-oh i'm getting pretty close to that great replacement son here aren't we flying awful close to that yeah there are but the fucking japan like specifically and notoriously is like a pretty racist country and there's not a lot of immigration going to japan from then they're going to be the ones that collapse right. 
Right. I just want to say that again. This is a guaranteed population collapse. Yes. It's not a maybe population right. collapse. Wow. Okay. Right. And and so just you said this was economic catastrophe. Let me point out, and I'm sure you know this, about the the pyramid, population pyramid, mm. right? So everybody knows the pyramid <laughs> and the top no. of it is old people and the bottom of it is young people. And this is the way it was in 1960 right and gradually what's happened is that this part has grown and this part has shrunk old people are living longer and we're having fewer kids you get exactly. top heavy real fast exactly and so the people in the middle take care of those people and those people mm. we don't have enough of them and so that means that all of our economic support which is funded by the middle is in trouble yeah. right social security Etc. 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 So Social Security is not in trouble. They always tell this lie. I was. I think the. And I, I'm going to get this wrong. I think, but I think by 2040, if we don't change anything, the projection is that Social Security will pay out like 80 percent of benefits. But if we were to raise the cap, and capture more of rich people's income with social security we would still be able to pay out 100 percent of benefits the problem with social security is the cap but the cap hasn't been going up with inflation and with with uh, income especially at the top you know there are books written about this of course and there's still people that say eight billion people in the world we're you know plenty of people too many people but if you look into this deeper and look at these trends and you see where this is going, everyone is knowledgeable. Everyone, I believe, is saying this will not continue. It will reach a maximum exactly when, 2050. We are not sure exactly when. And then it will go down and it will never come back. That's a quote mm. from Empty Planet, which is an excellent book. I recommend Empty Planet, which is an excellent book. She said everyone she knows who is smart or intelligent. And then she's like, here's a book called Empty Planet that I'm going to quote from. What the fuck? Daryl Bricker. For those that don't want to sleep at night. If you want to wake up screaming in the morning. Yeah. Read it's, a, it's a scary yeah. prospect. Em Empty Planet or Lonely Planet? Empty. Yeah. And. Um, no, Lonely Planet is this guy's audience. So. <laughs> The one of the reasons is, and and now we're going to go away from chemicals. Okay. Well, first let's anchor people around phthalates. Phthalates. It's ph ph phthalates. I think P H T H A L T S or something. Yes. Yeah. So phthalates. Yeah. You're getting them all the time in stuff. Yeah, but that's. I love, I mean, I'm glad that you're bringing up phthalates and that's really important and it's where I live because I've done so much work on it, mm -hmm. but I don't want to limit our discussion. That's one of a class of chemicals inside a bigger class called endocrine disrupting chemicals or hormonally active chemicals. Those are chemicals that confuse our body as to the function and the amount and the transport of basic hormones mm. right that we need okay but um l let me i'd like to not leave the f the problem of population overload or underload without saying that <clears throat> one of the things or major thing that drives populations down 
is something that I'm very much in favor of. And that's women's education, contraception, urbanization, all of these things get women to say, no, I don't want to have six kids anymore. You know, I want to join the workforce. I want to make- How many kids do you think this lady has? Kind of contribution. Okay. And it's that growth that's causing these demographers to say, we will never go back up to six children per- You see, in order to have things balance out, if somebody's having one or two children, somebody else is going to have to have mm-hmm. six children, you know? And, and, and as these- Countries, which are poorer countries, less educated countries, become more educated, have women entering the workforce and so on. The women are not going to produce children in, in those large numbers. And, and that's driving the certainty that we won't go back up. And that's the question. Yes, we're going down. We can see that. World Bank. You can look at. But wait, we're not going. Isn't the population continuing to go up? Oh, oh, it's not going up in the right places. Your reader, listeners can look at World Bank fertility data, open access, look at it. You can see exactly how many children were born per country per year and and convince yourself because you can see those declines Mm. and, and, and you don't, you know, it's, it's not going to go back up. So that's the lifestyle part of it. The chemical part is where I hope we'll spend most of our time because that's what I work on. Um, Yeah, walk us through how are these chemicals getting into our system? Because modern life is pretty amazing, but it's got some, it's got a pretty high price. Yes. They get into our system every way possible, right? So what are those? Ingestion, drink, and food is a really big one. Inhalation. Just don't breathe. It'll be fine. Hairspray, nail polish, air pollution. They get into our bodies through our skin. So chemicals in personal care products and makeup, um, just absorbing as we walk through the day in through our skin, all of those contribute and different ones enter in different ways, depending on where they're most prevalent, right? Um, But um, you said talk about phthalates. So I will, I'll start there. Um, Phthalates, which is a terrible name, isn't it? I just, (laughs) Um, we should call them I don't know what. Anyway, phthalates are chemicals that we primarily think of as plasticizers. Um, They make plastic soft and flexible, which is wonderful. Um, Wonderful uses of, 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 we need that for many things. Think about um, the tubes in a nursery for premature babies. They're getting a lot phthalates what because they're getting tubes into their body that's carrying nutrients oxygen and because phthalates are not chemically bound to the plastic they come out particularly in warm media Mm. and they get into that food oh this is that shit about the fucking they were talking that shit about the capri sun 
and the fucking high C, the fucking the juice boxes and shit. This is that juice box shit. I'm not kidding. This is that juice box shit. Whatever's going into the baby, and measurably, you can then measure it in the urine. Okay, so there's no question about that. Um, there was a, a very nice experiment in, in Eastern Europe. Very simple. A farm. Farmer milked a cow by hand. Farmer milked the cow with a milking machine. Soft tubing. Phthalates in the milking machine milk. No phthalates in the hand milking milk. <laughs> mm. Right. So, I mean, it, there's no question that the processing of food, that's just one example of food processing. The processing of food introduces phthalates into the food, as does the packaging, as does the preparation. For example, microwaving in plastic. You know that's a no no, right? <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, that one <laughs> I heard about a long time ago. In fact, that begs the question how do we start learning about this? How did we detect? that phthalates or anything were causing specific problems. What's the history of that discovery? I love this story. I'm glad you asked that. <clears throat> because it start for me, it started on an airplane flying to Japan. I was places. going to a meeting. Japan was putting considerable resources into the growing question of chemicals impacting human health. Mm. And... I was sitting next to a friend who was a chemist at the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, which measures chemicals in people's bodies on an ongoing basis, right? And so we're sitting there, long flight, we're talking, and he says, his name is John Brock, and he said, Shauna, you should look at phthalates. And I'm like, why? I had never heard of phthalates, Okay. Um, and this was, I would say, probably, I'm guessing now, 98, something like that. Before CDC got their environmental chemistry lab up and running <clears throat> to the point that they could cheaply measure these things in small amounts of sample in lots of people, it really wasn't known what the exposure was mm. to phthalates, to phenols, to parabens, and on and on and on and on. Right? Um, and so John did that. He was chemist. You measured that. And he saw that phthalates were in everybody, everybody in the United States at, I mean, almost 99%, um, regardless of age or sex or race or whatever. So there you have it. It was in any, everybody. What does it do? Turn over to this other laboratory, um, National Toxicology Program, and their job was to take these chemicals that were known to be in everybody and say, what do they do? And then we pump rats full of just an outrageous amount of this chemical and uh, see what it does to the rats and then uh, scare everybody with the results. And they do that with animals because that's where you start. So what they showed was that when the mother was exposed to these phthalates, that Exposed to what level? Male offspring were born not quite right. And the way that they were not quite right, they called the phthalate syndrome. Okay? Now, 
That doesn't sound remarkable. The dose makes the poison. How much were they exposing these animals to? Well, but it's a little more remarkable if you realize that there is no other chemical that has a syndrome named after it. Mm. What? How do you do that? You know, it's there's no other chemical with a syndrome named after it. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if that's true or false, but that doesn't mean that other chemicals don't cause a problem. And that, like, there's poison. We have things that are, we have like, things, po- yeah, we have, yeah, somebody in chat just said lead poisoning. And to be fair, the word syndrome isn't in lead poisoning. Because it's really important, right? And what is the phthalate syndrome? So, <clears throat> the phthalate syndrome and they showed in rats, basically they were born with smaller and sometimes misshapen, misplaced genitals. Okay, so these studies with rats are notoriously bad because what, what happens is they'll pump these they'll like pump these rats full of like I don't know, just like amounts of this stuff that are just unreasonable. And so that's going to, it might have all kind of weird effects, but it's not like it's generally not analogous to how much we're being exposed to in our environment. You may be able to, these, these tests, you can learn a little something about what happens with these things in, in some animals when the dose is very high, <clears throat> but we don't just stop at rat studies when we try to figure out what's going on with the, uh, a reaction to a specific chemical. There was this famous study of GMOs. If anybody remembers this, they fed rats a bunch of GMO food and the rats got uh, 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 tumors. But there were two things wrong with it. One, they were just pumping the rats full of way too much fucking food. And two, these rats were um, predis- genetically predisposed to having tumors anyway. The study was bullshit, but it was used by anti-GMO activists, right? Because of course it was. That was the start it's okay. a pretty bad start. Pretty bad. That's rough. That is a very bad start because, I mean, you got to start somewhere, but that's, I just, how much phthalates were they pumping these rats full of? I'm curious, out of all things, do you, why do you think that it disrupts proper sexual development and function? Oh, that's a great question. And it's one I actually can answer because that, okay, before I give you the answer, I'm going to give paint a picture for you. So here's this little. Oh, it'd be great if she actually busted out a canvas and was like, went Bob Ross on us for like half an hour. Rodent or person in utero. Well, no, but and that's uh, the 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 rodent or the person in utero. This is this is just. Um, I haven't seen these studies, but I guarantee you they're pumping these rats full of uh, just an absolute ton of this shit very primitive just maybe a few cells and at that point the genital tract is the same in males and females Mm. it's just a ridge genital ridge it's called okay then at some point and we know exactly when this is in a rat or a mouse it's about day 18 of gestation the testes start to develop and make testosterone okay And that testosterone, in the case of a genetic male, will be sent to the genital ridge and pass the message on that the genital ridge should start developing in a male-typical manner. Are you with me? Yep. So 
that means that that little pup will start to develop, you know, all kinds of organs that are male typical of a, and as they grow. So this is again, one of those things where (laughs) they're trying to sort of pretend that they're speaking to a, um, like a, like a scientifically literate audience or whatever. This is for a lay audience. And she's um, uh, blinding people with science in a way here. Grow. The female, on the other hand, will not be affected. Because the female is not looking for a testosterone signal. Although they have low level of testosterone. Okay. So, phthalates interrupt that. Phthalates mess with that. Phthalates lower testosterone do they bind to the receptor of testosterone or do they lower the production probably both probably both whichever one whichever one scares the shit out of your audience it's a double whammy um and um the result is that the male will be genetic male but his genitals will be smaller penis smaller scrotum misplaced scrotum often not descending all the way and some internal changes to the vast deference and so on and the endpoint that i particularly got interested in is something that on the street is called the taint <laughs> right and this is the distance it's called the technical term is terrible genital distance Pretty straightforward. AGD, anus to genitals. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Oh my God. Uh, hey, it's, it's tough out there on them streets. I, I don't think most people would really have thought about the fact that they are a pretty radical difference in distance between men and women. Right. Uh, which when I heard in the book that this is how they uh, sex difference, what between chicks or something Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you can just flip them over and that's how people hold are. Up the, here's a little rat. You hold it up on the tail. You look at the distance. This is a male. This is a female. I can show you pictures. Of, you know, uh, That's probably too you. much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. take your word for it. <laughs> it's a, it's 50 to a hundred percent bigger in male mammals compared to female mammals, mm. except the hyena. Yeah, that's interesting. That, they're a whole trip under yeah, themselves. Aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> And elephants are actually much closer. Male well, so what's interesting on the hyena is that the females are masculinized. Yes, like they they will even at times do the the dominant thrusting. Right, it's a whole and they crazy are alpha. Thing. I saw this. I went to a hyena colony, and I saw um, a male having his food taken away by an alpha female. That's interesting. So it's quite different. Well, so very fascinating in that I'm assuming the females have an abnormally high testosterone level. They do, and an abnormally long anogenital distance. This is so interesting. I mean, this really gets to the chemical processing plan idea, the fact that, in fact, one question I want to ask you is um, going back. So could I interrupt the normal... um, production of a male in the same way that their sexual <laughs> oh no this is taint phrenology everybody they're doing taint phrenology maturation would be disrupted through phthalates if i simply rob them of testosterone in utero 
What's up guys, it's Tom Bilyeu, and if you're anything like me, you're always looking for ways to level up your mindset, your business, and your life in general. That's exactly what Oh I'm no, this is a fucking one of them grind set influencer guys. So he like has no, this has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, this is just some masculinity grift shit, okay. I started Impact Theory, a podcast that brings together the world's most successful and inspiring people. Yeah, but did you measure their taints, sir? to share their stories and most importantly, strategies for success. And now it's easier than ever to listen to Impact Theory on Amazon Music. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, you can simply open up the Amazon Music app and search for Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu to start listening right away. If you really wanna take things to the next level, just ask Alexa. Hey Alexa, play Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu on Amazon Music. Now playing Impact Theory with Tom Bilyeu on Amazon Music. <laughs> Lex is like, no, I heard that weird shit you were talking about with the taint, and we're not. We're not. Sorry. Sorry. You're instantly plugged into the latest and greatest conversations on mindset, health, finances, and entrepreneurship. Get inspired, get motivated, and be legendary with Impact Theory on Amazon Music. Let's do this. Or do I actually need the presence of phthalates specifically? No, it's not the phthalate. And I think, I'm thinking when you say, could I rob him of testosterone? I'm not sure how you would. Tom Bilyeu, testosterone thief. anti-androgen in there. So, sure, I'm just, as a thought experiment. Yeah, no, that, I'm thinking with you. So, so something that increases androgen is a pro-androgen and something that decreases is an anti-androgen. Yep. So, um, and there are many chemicals that do both both of these things. And in experimental settings, you can do both. So um, and manipulate lots of things through this very potent hormone, testosterone, which is needed for not only the genitals but the brain. By the way, we mm. can talk about that. So the, you know, the masculinization process of a genetic male is under the many things but playing an important role is the testosterone yeah so you can definitely mess with that and by the way the females well i haven't told you our results in humans so so we won't go there yet but i will just tell you having too much testosterone in the female will cause her to have an abnormally long anogenital distance hmm. Man, she is really fucking, so, she's really right, up on this fucking tape phrenology. These predictions are accurate. Okay. So if uh, robbing the um, genetically male- You know what? Any of the uh, episode names that I'm thinking about this for the podcast are probably going to violate the terms of service of Spotify and Apple podcasts. Uh, infant in utero of testosterone gives them an abnormally short uh, genital to anal distance and a smaller penis. Uh, my gut. Yeah, can somebody in chat uh, look up Shauna Swan? That's S H A N N A Swan. I think then is if I reversed it and I gave uh, a increased amount a pro androgen yeah. at just the right moment. Cause I know yeah. timing has a lot to do right. with this, but if I gave that at just the right moment, could I bless that child with a penis? He would have to carry around in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> that's, that's the question for all, for all the dads out there wondering if they can uh, hop up their son. I am now kind of speaking out of school. Cause I don't know any such. It does make that prediction though. Do you think that's a reasonable prediction? There's also something wrong with this guy's uh, video switcher. Do you see it every time they switch camera angles? 
unless they're doing that on purpose. So I I think there's probably uh, so the female is sensitive to an excess of testosterone because she is not expecting much. So if you then give that female much more testosterone than she's expected, expecting, then she will exhibit a longer AGD. She doesn't have the- Will she get an enlarged clitoris? I don't know, but I would, I would, that's a wonderful question. It's interesting. And, you These know, that's something we could like look the, at. feel like the right hypotheses yeah. no, for me does. because- No, it does. It seems like a reasonable hypothesis. One thing you talk yeah. about in the book and one yeah. thing that I had, I think everybody that hears this finds utterly fascinating is that female is the default gender. So we all start yeah. there and were it not for um, the, obviously the presence of the Y chromosome, but then also the increase in testosterone at a certain period of time. It's like, we all start female and how you have to be coaxed out of that essentially, exactly. Um, exactly. out of that state. And so if the penile tissue is basically a clitoris, uh, fully developed into a, a masculine form, then one would imagine that if the body's getting a mixed signal of like, okay, you, you have XX, so this is never going to become a penis, but yeah. you have so much testosterone signaling at this yeah. point. Now I'm getting confused. I'm extending the AGAGD. AGD? A- uh-huh. I'm what? extending that, but then I am also- What is he just fucking, uh, is he just like free associating about this? I think he's just like free associating about this over enlarging the clitoris that makes sense though i have not looked at any so here here's one problem tom the examination of the male is much simpler than the female because the organs are external Mm -hmm. there's not much external clitoris there's a lot internal right which you just shocked a lot of people the first time i saw a i don't know if it was a drawing or whatever of how far the clitoris goes like uh, shocking shocking i said right so I'm not going to, uh, everybody else can make whatever joke, make, you know, you know. To, to, to measure how large that, to measure it at all, and let alone whether it depends on the presence of an androgen or, you know, it would be, would, would take uh, a very big effort. I mean, you would mm. have to have um a scan but couldn't you just do the part that's visible on the outside i mean that seems i'm not sure like... what that reflects i'm not sure how much that reflects interesting you know um i don't know it's not my field and uh but it's like a great hypothesis <laughs> um so i'd like to talk about this agd in and this phthalate syndrome in humans if i can yeah, please to pivot to that Okay, so when I heard this from John Brock, <clears throat> I thought, okay, interesting. There's an exposure. What is it doing in humans, right? We, there's a human exposure. What is it doing? And um, then I thought, well, how would we even ask the question? And you, you're smart. You can think, well, how would you answer that? What would you what would you think about doing about figuring out what's causing the change in length? Oh, back before that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable right now. Everybody everybody hold hands. This is uncomfortable. The question is, I think, do humans have a phthalate syndrome? I see. Um because that was unknown. It was never heard of. 
you would have to back into it with yeah. what one, if you understand the mechanism of action, this is why I was saying, does it block the receptors or does it reduce yeah, the amount right, of right. androgen being produced? That would be one way that you could get into that. Uh, and then the other would be, is there, um, it, does it do something proactively? Is there biomimicry here? Does it look like something else that's causing the body to do something extra or to not do something? Right, right. That would be where right. I would start in terms of whether that's tied exactly to phthalates. Obviously, you're going to have to run experimentation, but you start injecting or lacing the food of rats or whatever with it. What about what humans? Oh, he's probably all for human experimentation. You'd be pretty gnarly if you did that, but you could certainly measure who are the people that have phthalates How in their system and what do they have How common. Well, I think I'm cheating because I've heard you say that it's measurable in the urine. So I would take urine samples. Who's urine sample? Men and women. I would start with women. I, if I yeah. hadn't read your book, I would I'm never sorry think. To, to really, no, I, this great. is actually really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, so had I not. Why is she book? asking this fucking grind set bro how he would d design an experiment? about this when this is her field of expertise think about men so i would have gone straight to women right so we're talking about a process that takes place during pregnancy yep so if you want to know whether there's phthalates swimming around in there you got to ask that question of pregnant women's urine mm. right and you're right urine is the place to look that's because it's um what we call non-persistent it's water soluble there are other bad chemicals that are fats in fat and blood and so on but mm. this goes into urine pretty quickly four hours on average thank god thank god but that's so, crazy then for people that have elevated levels you are constantly introducing it to your system absolutely whoa in and out at a pretty steady rate so well, it sounds like your body's doing what it's supposed to do here. I'm no expert, but if you're if you're peeing that shit out, and, if you're peeing it out in four hours, it sounds like your body's doing a pretty good job of getting rid of it. And that, by the way, is everybody. Um, so the in order to look at this, I was thinking, okay, I'd want to know this. I want to have phthalate levels levels in pregnant women. Okay, what do I need for that? I need the urine from pregnant women. Where do I get that? Well. I was very lucky, foresighted, I don't know. That we'll go in, with foresighted. In a prior study, which we could talk about because it's related to sperm count, I stored urine of pregnant women. Whoa. I just happened to have a freezer full of the urine from As pregnant women. As you do. And actually many labs do have that because now we know how valuable it is. Interesting. Because if smart. you ever want to say, was the fetus exposed to X, Y, and Z, mm. pull it out of the freezer and measure it. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So that, that was good. I had that side of it. Then the other side <laughs> Chat's is, asking about the Christopher Key guy. A guy who uh, drank, drank his own pee, actually injected his own pee on, also drank it on the Stu Peters show. Yeah, I wonder what Chris Key thinks about all this. That's a good fucking question. What does the phthalate syndrome look like in a human? Nobody had ever asked that question. Mm. Actually, that's not quite true. One study did ask that question, but not related to a prenatal exposure. So I had I learned that later. So I, I came along and I thought, okay, we want to see if what's happening in animals is happening in humans. This is an interesting thought experiment. Mm. You know, like what how would you do that? I said, well, we have to measure the babies. 
right? Then I had to find the babies <laughs> that were born to those women whose urine I had stored. Whoa. Hello, ma'am. I'm a, a world-renowned taint phrenologist, and what I need to know is how big is your son's dick? <laughs> oh, no. And then I had to think about, well, what will I measure? Because while the AGD had been measured in rats for a very long time, I think from 19- Oh, no. And used Shocking. as part of the <laughs> toxicology. Remember when you gave me your pee? Well, I'm here to measure your child's taint, actually. No, nothing weird about it, I promise. It's for science program testing for reproductive toxin hmm. since about 1950 nobody had done this so that was i love problems like this you know i love i love these uh, you know so i uh i got together with my colleagues and i said well what should we look for what is the analog in humans of the thalley syndrome in rats hmm. okay and some of them were straightforward so penile size that's pretty straightforward. Turns out penile length is quite different, difficult to measure. Width is relatively easy. Um, Anybody that's just listening right now will not have realized I just made a weird face. How is length hard to measure? Because it's changeable. Meaning you can't get them erect? You can. Got it, got it. Okay. okay. Right? Understood. But, but- oh. Yeah, now I'm incredibly uncomfortable. I was like, let me tell you, it's measurable. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but width is, is a fixed, you know, is, is, you can measure pretty reliably. So we could do that. No, wait, I, for the same reason, that seems like it should be it's hard much less, to measure. It's much less changeable. What? Yeah, the width is much From less. From erect to limp? That's, that seems shocking. You're saying that most people are roughly the same width when they're there's much less unaroused. difference in the width than the length that Let's put is it like fascinating that. right okay so that's what we could do so, so we actually did measure length also and and many studies do measure length there's been a recent study on penile length that just, just came out we can talk about it if you want but tell me um, more <laughs> but um the study is yeah. that everyone lies about it yeah so we had that descent of the testicles is measurable little difficult to quantify and because sometimes they hide in the abdomen and you have to bring mm. them down and, and try to see terror how far. or really cold weather yeah all gone right this is making my this is making my testicles hide in my abdomen i don't know about you guys <laughs> so um that w- th- we decided that would be an interesting endpoint <clears throat> and but the key thing was AGD, anal distance. What do we? How do we do that in humans? I mean, think about it. How how would you? You know. So now that we've done it for years and it's now used internationally, we have protocols and they're all written out and straightforward to do it. But at the time when we were starting this, we were kind of making it up as we went along, and had worked with some wonderful clinicians. Um, pediatricians and others who, you know, so just so just we, just so we're clear here, we went from <clears throat> uh, fertility to birth rate to now just like fucking dick phrenology. 
designed this exam and got measures of AGD. Uh, I mean, just think about for this room. What is AGD? Anus to the genitals. Where, where in the genitals? That's my exact question to you because whether, like, if I were warm or cold, depending on where you measure that from, it would be different. Actually, not so much. What really makes a difference is the landmark. So do you, you start at the anus, that's easy. I never thought I'd be having this conversation, by the way. This is fascinating. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought we'd be watching this conversation. Um, this is not fascinating. But where do you end? What, where, what is the general side of this? Anus that's what I'm two, saying. Like right? The... Okay. So it turned out we ended up doing two. And one was the scrotal mm -hmm. and one was the Scrotal penile. connection? Yeah. That's the question. Okay, because that, okay. like, if you're talking scroll to connection, that's not going anywhere. But warm to cold, I assure you, this N of one, they would be very different distances. That's interesting because we never consider temperature. What? Never. Was this a panel of women only doing these measurements? No, no. Because a guy would instantly be like, "Hey, well, these I'm are need babies. You to warm it up in these here. are babies in a hospital. Okay, that's that very different. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Does that count for adults? We don't do measurements on adults. We do, adu we do adults. But okay. let me finish the babies. Right. So, so the question is, where is the end of that measurement? So you have a calipers. That's what yep. you use. You use a oh, I'm so, you use calipers. You don't fucking say. I can't believe this. We actually got the word calipers in this. Actually, I can totally believe that. <laughs> calipers you open the calipers one end you put on the i should have brought my doll i have a doll to demonstrate this oh no i'm so glad you didn't bring the doll i'm so glad you didn't bring the doll is everybody everybody even if you're listening to this like on a podcast you're probably also glad that she didn't bring the doll that uh, is amazing <laughs> i need to know how that story went. i'm gonna need you to make me a doll but i have oh. specific requirements <laughs> do not give this man do not give this man whatever doll this is and then the other side, I said scrotal, so let's talk about that. So it turns out that the underside of the scrotum, the scrotum is striated. You know that the tissue is different. Okay, oh, very, a, very intimately, yes. So there's a point at which that tissue changes from smooth to striated. Mm. That's the point you want to go to. Mm. Okay? Interesting. Okay, so wouldn't you just measure from your abdomen, from the other side, from the top side, from like... I, anyway, I'm not getting into it. This is that if I was going to do such a thing, I would just measure from the top. Put a ruler. Never mind. Forget it. I'm not. I'm not. Forget I said that. Please stay. Saying okay with your Got other you. side of your caliber. Alternatively, you can go all the way up to the insertion of the penis. That's the anterior, the part closest to your right. head. Where does yeah. it enter your body? That's not so clear cut. And we had a lot of discussion about, do we press down? How hard do we press? You understand? Yeah. What? It's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Why do you press down? If you want to measure something in a population, you have to really be clear about how to do it Fair. repeatedly. And so we did that. We piloted that over and over and over again with different people and different, until we got a protocol that was repeatable mm. by multiple observers multiple times. Right? I'm sure this is more about AGD than anyone wanted to know. But these are published methods. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, w one of the things that matters is where is a kid's legs? Huh? When you're doing this. So it turns out that if the legs are pulled back, 
the mother, suppose I put a baby on my lap. Mm. I take the knees. I put it back up against their shoulder. Isn't that illegal? Whatever she's describing. Extended. Right? And you'll get a longer AGD. A so misleadingly they, longer AGD, right, I assume. Yeah. Right. So you have to make sure you pull the same amount for everybody. It's so tricky. We, we end up getting the measurement. You end up so getting the measurement. So the key insight is, hey, this thing that we've been using for a long time in rats, we can now do this in humans as well. Right. Good. So we've duplicated the whole exam of the rat, if you will, in human infants. And then what did we find? So send the urine to the CDC. CDC tells us how many phthalates, which phthalates are in there, how much are in there. And then we have these, this database with now all these measurements. And so well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I see. Okay. First of all, let's, let's, let's fucking, let's, let's forget about the baby folding part on all of that. If they have one urine sample from someone, that's just a snapshot, right? That's like one time. That is not going to be representative of <clears throat> any other part of the pregnancy except for the one time they have the sample. So you can't really even tell anything from that. It's now a question of asking these two databases, the phthalate database, the, a <clears throat> the exam database, what do they match up in mm. some way? And the answer was yes, that when there were more phthalates, particularly three most anti-androgenic phthalates, when they were higher in the mother, the male had a pattern which was very similar to the um, rats. Mm. So they had shorter antigenital distance, they had smaller penile size, they had less descent of the testes. Those were the three main endpoints that we had. Okay, so this, so we now know that there, this syndrome does exist in humans. We can measure it. The first thing people are going to ask is, where am I getting these things? Mm. And so you did a home walkthrough with people. No, no, that's not my question. My question is, how are you going to get any, how are you going to determine anything from a single sample? Because it's a fucking snapshot. Um, give us some of the most common places. Is mm -hmm. it plastic bottles? Is it mm -hmm. makeup? Like what are the places that people are, cause we're having to replenish it, which means that I could change my behavior. And then I, over some period of time, it should go away. So where are we, where are we replenishing our phthalate stores? <clears throat> so food, I would say is the major source. So that's getting tainted. So milk oh, tainted, you say uh, anytime it's going through soft plastic, we're going to be in trouble. If I don't call this episode uh, tainted baby, then you can, everybody can just stop watching the intellectual dollar tree. So food, uh, packaging, packaging, also correct. processing. I imagine processing. there's going to be a lot of times. Yes. <clears throat> and, um, storage, transport, um, cooking. So every, if you think about this little tomato pluck it here on the farm, mm. what does it go through before you put it on your plate? Farm to fork, all along that way. Am I looking out just for soft plastic or are there other places that I'm getting these? There are other places. Uh, Lovely. <clears throat> so you can get it <clears throat> in your liquids. 
you can get it. But don't my liquids have to come into contact right, with right, right, some right, sort of plastic? Right. Okay, let's leave let's leave the soft plastic out. Although the soft plastic can be in many forms, for example, in your shower curtain, a rubber ducky, and so on and so forth. So it doesn't just have to be food. Um, <clears throat> the I would say the foodborne exposure. The rubber ducky actually made Ernie a bottom. Are going to be primarily through soft plastics. Plastic, their plasticizer Whoa. function. Right? So every time I see soft plastic, I need to immediately go, this is giving me phthalates. Because uh, yes it can be no. absorbed yes to the skin. No. Yes or no. So you know there's um, a recycling code on the bottle? Yes. Bottom? Okay. So if you look at that, you'll see numbers from one to seven. Okay. Okay. Now, I used to say, and I'll still say uh, with reservation, that this is a little poem goes like this five four one and two all the rest are bad for you nice easy right but let's look at six six could be bpa which we haven't talked about but we should which is something that makes plastic hard instead of soft which is estrogenic instead of anti-androgenic hmm. kind of a bad cousin you know of the <laughs> evil twin um, <clears throat> but six could also be potatoes Wait, what? because mm -hmm. it's the other category. So plastics are made from, you know, there are, are bioplastics. I did not know that. I thought they were all coming from petroleum. No, they're not. There are alternatives hmm. now. Most are coming from petroleum. And we still get phthalates from potatoes? No, we get plastics from potatoes. Whoa. Okay, you're you're rocking okay. my world here. Okay. So there is a way to process. There is something called bioplastic. So instead of plastic, and you're correct, most plastic is made from biofuels, byproducts of petroleum production, right? But as we began aware, became aware that this was a bad thing for us to be experiencing in our body, they sought out other alternatives. Now, one of them is potatoes. <laughs> um, the problem is that the carbon footprint of growing those potatoes is pretty high. Mm. So what chemists are looking for now is an alternative that will perform the function of plastics without the dangers of plastics. Okay, And I fully believe that is possible. But it takes a lot of people willing to put the investment in, take the risk, retool you can imagine you mm. know about business and and what's involved in changing a process like that it's, it's huge it's phenomenal and in the meantime people want these products now i don't think people really would be unhappy if their plastic bottle or container and so on was made from a bioplastic instead of a petrochemical plastic people are not seeking that out they want mm. the container so I, I think you can satisfy people's needs and demands through safer plastics, but that's slow and expensive to bring on board, okay? So you asked me, is it just soft plastic? So let's leave that aside for a minute and go to another route of exposure. <clears throat> and one, another major route of exposure is any personal care products. Um, any what? <clears throat> that can be another route of exposure <clears throat> and one another major route of exposure is any personal care products 
um, of personal care products can be um, something you put on your skin. And why would that contain phthalates? It's because the phthalates help absorption. Mm. So they're kind of magical in a way. They, they do all these <laughs> things, right? Um, <clears throat> and for that reason, they're added to pesticides too, because they help, help the pesticide go up the plant and stay in the leaves and so on. So absorption is an important function. Hmm. Softening, absorption. They also, and this is a, amazing that they can do all these things, they also hold scent, fragrance, and color. And so you, it's not a big leap to think about why they're used in cosmetics. Hmm. And while they're used in fragrance products, like nice smelling laundry soap and air fresheners you plug in and that little pine cone you hang in your car, they're all emitting these chemicals. It's crazy. It's crazy. So this is coming out in the things we eat. It's coming out in the things we drink and it's coming out even in the air we breathe. Uh, okay. So that brings us back. I've heard you say some of these things so I can lead the witness a little bit here, but <laughs> um, this is, it's pretty terrifying. So and maybe now is the time that we get back into the are we or are we not chemical processing plants only. Uh, because when I hear this, I think, well, the only way forward then, if it's in what we eat, drink, and breathe, you have to stop using these chemicals. Uh, there's just, there's no other way. Like if, if you keep emitting all of these, you're going to have the problem. We are, uh, the fertility rates are declining. The rate at which they're declining is speeding up. Uh, it's doubled in like the last 20 years. Sperm I think it was count, from 2012 count. to sperm now. Count. Sperm count. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Either. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you were very clear. Sperm count has the rate at which it's declining is very high. And at the beginning, you said that we're still holding steady at a 1% rate. And then I said, well, doesn't it predict that that's going to go higher? And then later, um, you said that our sperm count has dropped by 50% and fertility rate has dropped by almost the exact same amount. Is that a coincidence? Which then I was thinking in my head, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like yeah. if, if the rate of sperm count is dropping at an ever increasing rate and the rate at which it's declining is speeding up, I think that that ultimately is going to have to echo back to the overall fertility rate or there's something, I guess the only thing uh, is if they're uh, artificially, there's a acronym for this, but artificially assisted fertility, whatever that is. ART. Um, mm -hmm. ART. Mm -hmm. So that is that why we have a break between the exact drop in. I think so. The, so assisted ART, which is um, assisted reproductive technology, refers to all of the different ways that medicine can help you get pregnant, mm. from hormones to actually, you know putting a sperm inside an egg and, you know, and putting it in the body. <clears throat> and um, that has been increasing rapidly, the use of ART and the number but, of- But <clears throat> the, the increase in that might be that the technology is better and more people can use it. It might be aging population and older people wanting to have kids, like people wanting to have kids in an older age because sometimes your body just doesn't, isn't gonna be capable of having kids as you age, but you wanna have them anyway. The increase of the use of this isn't necessarily directly tied to this, what they are saying is a dramatic decrease in sperm count. There's any number of reasons that a, um, an, elective, uh, an elective procedure or whatever might increase in use. Options has increased. 
Um, the most dramatic is in Israel because in Israel, uh, they the government pays for up to two live births via assisted reproduction. Whoa. And you know this is very expensive. Where's their birth rate at? Ah, uh, it's one of the few that has not dropped. I mean, it sounds like they're going pretty yeah. hard to make yeah. sure it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say 3.3, but that's, don't hold me to that because sure. it's, it's, yeah. Um, so that's interesting, you know, that, the, and, and, but for most people, assisted reproduction <clears throat> is a, something they want to avoid if at all possible it's mm. it's it's difficult it can be painful it can be definitely expensive anxiety producing interfering with the mental health of the couple i would say putting a great strain on the marriage and so on and so forth mm. never the great <clears throat> now the great strain on the marriage probably isn't di a direct result of the um the the treatment the strain on the marriage might be because they're both frustrated because they want kids and they can't have kids or they're having a hard time having kids I don't think it has anything to do with the treatment. I bet the treatment, <clears throat> I bet the treatment, if it works, actually reduces the stress on the marriage. I don't have any info on that, but I would assume that if the treatment worked and there was stress on the marriage because they were having a hard time having a kid, <clears throat> that that would reduce the stress on the marriage. Increasing. The number of children born by assisted reproduction is increasing. And the available technologies for this are also increasing. And I think this will we're going to have more and more options for for doing this um but um it's not helping the underlying biology so let me just say if a couple is infertile if a man is infertile the more evidence on men or his sperm count is low his health is impacted hmm? So this brings up something that you and I were talking about before we started rolling. And I said, well, I'm going to restate this uh, once we're back on. So I said that my mom smoked through her entire pregnancy with me. And the first words out of your mouth were, have you had your sperm uh, checked? And I was like, nope, my whole life I've been paranoid about getting someone pregnant. I've never even thought about it. And then you said, I don't want to scare you, but. Mm -hmm. Men with low sperm count and men who could not conceive a pregnancy, which is clearly related, um, <clears throat> will die younger. What? A shorter life expectancy. And can you ballpark me on how much? <laughs> I need to know how paranoid I need to be here. Um, I would say that's a number that's not real tightly understood. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of papers. Um, there's just a couple of papers that we don't know, actually say we're looking at a couple of years but that's a guess don't hold me to that mm. um but i can tell if you <clears throat> wait a minute if there's only a couple papers and the delta is only like a couple years in a couple of papers then uh, the answer is i don't know might be affected which is heart disease um diabetes why that's we'll so come back to that diabetes and reproductive cancers oof Okay, and the, why is that? So then we have to go back and think about this. Let's just think. Wait about a minute, no, no, no. Okay, so this started with um, um, the mother who smokes during pregnancy, and I would think that there are <clears throat> other reasons for health factors there. Um, a mother who smokes during pregnancy against the um, 
best uh, uh, advice of uh, medical professionals might also be inclined to ignore other advice from medical professionals after their child is born. I'm not a genius. I mean, I might be. Who knows? Everybody's a genius. Uh, but you would think that the other that 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 it would imply other things that it isn't just the genetics of the smoking during pregnancy, which is bad, but that there would be other like similar situations that might come up uh, after the child's born. Again, the phthalates are lowering, or the secondhand smoke. Uh, it's not like they're gonna quit as soon as the kid's born if they didn't quit during pregnancy testosterone androgens and then you might ask okay what else in the body depends on adequate androgen right and the first thing that jumps out is the brain and we can talk about that if you want but there every system in the body requires a healthy balance of these hormones mm. so it's i'm not a cardiologist and i can't speak to the hormonal influences on cardiac function and <clears throat> cardiac disease but i know certainly that they affect metabolic function um and that's related to the risk of diabetes and so on so if you're disturbing the system in very early development when there's just a few cells and they're rapidly dividing, they're getting these messages, their normal, you know, development is altered by the alteration of these hormones. And that is going to be a systemic-wide alteration. So it's not surprising to me at all. It's not that sperm count, your sperm count is low and then you have more X, Y, and Z disease. It's that from the get-go, you had an interruption of normal development, which had impacts on your entire body. Mm. The sperm count is a little window into that because one of the things, I mean, it's certainly not the only thing, but one of the things that sperm count indicates is <clears throat> that there was an alteration in hormonal function and that it will affect, you know, your later health. So I'm, I recommend to men, men know too little about their reproductive health anyway. You know, women go to the OB, GYN every year, mm -hmm. right? They get a pap smear, they get checked, everything gets checked, their breasts get checked, um, which is great. And men, not so much, right? You don't get your reproductive, I mean, you, no. you get the boys out and they yeah. give them a juggle, but yeah. it's... I'm certainly not making a sperm deposit. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. Dear. So I'm grappling emotionally with the fact that this is a leading indicator of a potential problem. Uh, yeah, I, I need to get it checked. The other thing about the male. Where do you go to get it checked, though? Oh, like my doctors never said, hey, would you like to drop one off? You can say to your doctor, I want to get my sperm count tested. Got it. Um, there are a couple, a couple of companies that have come out since the book, actually. But um, one is called Fellow. One is called Legacy. There are probably other ones. Hmm. And they've made it very easy because it used to be that to get your sperm count checked, you had to go into a clinic and you had to go through the somewhat uncomfortable 
process of producing a sample mm. in a bathroom down I, that, i'm sorry I, I would have that oh, not uncomfortable for me i'd be fine with that they'd be like oh good jack off in a cup in the bathroom i'd be like got it i'll be back in two minutes <laughs> all but these companies allow you to do this at home and send the kit in and they're reliable and they will send you back your sperm count. Mm. If you want, I can give you. <laughs> I don't want to promote any <laughs> one company, but you know, you and I can have a little conversation. Yeah, yeah. About look, that. if yeah. you know yeah, the, the yeah. place to go, I'm happy to hear about it. And while I'm at it, I should say you it's also like twenty three and me, but for your sperm. Have your urine tested for lots of phthalates and phenols and so on. Interesting. Anybody that, could, that seems really important. Right? And um, a company that does that is called Million Marker. And again, there are other ones. Um, and I suspect that companies of these kinds are going to be increasing as we get more and more concerned and mm. technology steps in and says, okay, we can help you learn about your body uh, right. in a way that may protect your health. So mm. I, I think I think those are, are, are good things. Okay. So uh, if I wanted to get this back on track... So it sounds like I need to be looking at, um, I need to be taking an endocrine approach to this. I need to figure out what my testosterone levels are. He's uh, like, I need to get my fucking jizz on the grind set. Check my sperm count, uh, which I assume we're looking at amount, motility, um, is there morphology. anything else? Morphology, Shape. what it's, okay, yeah. amazing. Uh, and let's say that one or all of those come back problematic. Is the next step just like, obviously, oh, we just, where's your phthalate exposure coming from? Reduce that. Or like, is, do you have a, a protocol that you put people through to oh, a protocol on track? Oh, well, great. Have- she's fucking, is she, if she's going to fucking be like colloidal silver or some shit, we're done here. Right. We work with um, people that have educational programs to try to um, counsel people on how to you know, detox their house, if you will, mm-hmm. and and their lives. Um, but um, what does your house look like? Like, do you have blankets? So I once I went on a. Camp, what does your house look like? Do you have blankets? But they were like, "Yo, you're taking a lot of toxins through more things than you can imagine, like blankets and stuff." And I was like, "Blankets?" They're like, "Yeah, because of all the um, anti uh, the flame retardant stuff." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Oh, whoa!" And he's like, "Oh, but don't worry. Like, you can get these blankets that are like all natural, and yeah, you don't have yeah. to worry." And so I got an all natural blanket. And I was like, "Oh, it looks amazing!" And it arrived, and it might as well be burlap. Like it is not comfortable. Oh, so are there comfy? Like, (laughs) do you have sandpaper for sheets at your house? No, no. You brush your teeth with baking soda. Like, what does your house look like? Um, I'm I'm not a fanatic. I I try to. Do you measure your phthalate levels? I have, but not recently. I don't like persist. I thought he was going to ask a completely different question. If I'm being completely honest measure them um and by the way the effect of these chemicals on um adults and you know is not really well studied most of the most of what we know is effects on the fetus and what's the young your child. hypothesis though i think it matters less I, so the critical periods are the periods of rapid cell division mm. so in utero obviously that's number one and early life infancy 
and puberty and probably menopause. Um, but Tom, these studies cost, every one of these human studies costs $5 million. Ooh. He just wrote it down. He's like $5 million. Five years. <clears throat> That's yeah. just to link one class of chemicals, usually, to one set of outcomes. Mm. So you see, it's Well, it's not to link it. And <clears throat> That's the other thing is the study doesn't necessarily link it. The study... Studies suggest that they're correlated at, at best. A single study will suggest that they're correlated. My studies, by the way, we didn't really finish that story about the phthalate syndrome in humans, but I did find that in that study that we had the phthalate syndrome, but then as all scientists, I had to replicate that. And then I had to design a study specifically on that question. See, the first study wasn't on, designed on the question. We had some stored urine. You know, we brought back the babies. We put them together. Great. We found this finding. Put but the babies in the urine together? Right. And you design a study specifically to ask that question. Mm. That's a new grant. Have to go through grant review. Terrible process, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't give a grant for this. I'd be like, you want to do taint phrenology? Well, like, go look for your money somewhere else. Then if you're lucky, you'll get the grant. And then that's, you have to find the women who are pregnant. You have to bring them in. You have to say, will you be in the study? Will you give us your urine? Will you let us measure your baby? And do and then the answer is probably time. no. Now we know that early pregnancy is most important. And we measured all the babies at birth and so on and so forth. So it was much, much more precise study. And we found what is he thing. writing so the that plus the animal studies plus studies that have been done by many other people now on this lead me to say and i don't use the word cause very much that phthalates cause the phthalate syndrome in humans and, and if you had to give me in a sentence what is the phthalate syndrome in humans the phthalate syndrome in humans is a incomplete masculinization of the male genital tract. You can reboot your life, your health, even... Nope, that's fucking this, this guy's commercial. We're done. I can't fucking listen to a second more of this fucking creepy shit. This, I thought this was going to be one thing and it was something else. <laughs> oh, I was not ready for what that was. In a way, I'm glad I did this in al alone, and in another way, I wish um, HK would have actually been here in studio with me to do this because it would have been, it would have been something. It would have been something. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't really, I don't really have any finishing thoughts. I, I kind of, I, I, I mostly I need a drink out of a non-plastic cup. My vodka is not in a plastic bottle. There's no phthalates in my vodka, right? Yeah, usually, like, I have something to say at the end of these, but I just feel, I feel very uncomfortable. This has been the Intellectual Dollar Tree. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcatchers, and um, I don't know if you've made it this far. You're a fucking weirdo. Give me money on Patreon, patreon.com slash echoplex. This is uh, Boomers by Periscope. And when we come back, whatever we watch after this is going to fucking feel like a, like a goddamn deliverance. Uh, I'm going to change the color of the lights, change the content of my beverage.
and hopefully sort of uh, change our mindset and our grind set for the next segment of the show. I'll see everybody in red light.
Can't get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live? Then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.